As many of you know, although I'm almost embarrassed to say it out loud, I am a collector. Mostly pewter wizards, but a few other things as well. My father was a collector first, and I don't know what drove him to do so, whether it was a passion for toy soldiers or a need to fill in some kind of void within, or if he just liked objects and how things worked and all the various ways that humans could be inventive with simple forms. I mean, he was not really that specific in his collections, but they were many. And if he found one thing and realized that there were more of them, well, he started looking for those things. Bottle toppers carved with various little figures on them, he never bought them before, but if he had one, within a few months he had seven. And whatever that is, that drive, I'm afraid I have that too. So in the process of selling off a bunch of my old things, artfully extracted from my childhood bedroom these past few months, I must admit to being tempted by all the other things I've never seen before and now available in the online marketplace. Now, let's say you have a bendy dragon figure already in its box. Well, did you know that they also made a bendy Dreyfus the Dragon's Pal? And is that a Cheryl the Talking Phoenix music box? And you've always loved the foamy soap container in the shape of the wizard's body, where at bath time the soap shoots out the wizard's mouth, frozen permanently into the shape of an oblong O. So imagine how amazing it was to discover that they also had made a Tinky the Wizard's Boy companion foamy soap, and there's one listed for $40. Now, this is eBay, so it's important to remember that you can easily get sucked into paying $300 for a foamy soap boy uh, as you try to hide your iPhone screen from your wife sleeping nearby, it's extremely important that you never let Galinda know about any of this. <laughs> you see? You see how we do? I know there's lots of you out there, so know that I feel you, second-generation collectors. We have it rough. And you just never know what you have that might be of value, because isn't that partially why you kept it there on the shelf, unplayed with, untouched, for 30 years? And as you research everything, seeing what things are worth, and then getting your hopes up, you have to do all of that without spending everything you have on even more stuff. Because who's going to deal with that? Stuff. Death. Clearing it out. That's what we're getting into when we finally get a chance to visit with someone we've long admired. This week, when we gingerly place the mint, unsealed, never-opened portal on the counter and think about how much fun it would be to just tear into it and jump right into the deep night. Into the deep night, we Oh, friends, hello, it's me, Dale Seaver, and I'm so pleased to be with you as your host, guide, and guru for this next hour of regrets and revelations we call the Deep Night. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And it's happened. It's warm. Time for the turtle tanks to come out. Let these old alabaster flanks soak up some rays. <laughs> Pre-condos, a group of us would set up some folding chairs or settle into a discarded half-melted tire down by the canal and do a little sunbathing. Clothing was optional, but really clothing is always optional. 
Guani rules. No shirt, no problem. The combination of early summer sunshine and low-hovering chemical clouds made for a very brisk, if slightly greenish-in-hue, suntan over any exposed flesh. What can I say? We were young and reckless. <laughs> now we're old and reckless. <laughs> oh, friends, do you ever wake up and think, I'm not sure constant toxic exposure is actually the right choice for me? Maybe you'd like a simpler, healthier way to feel good. Not everything comes in sludge form. Some comes in delicious powders. I'm talking, of course, about AG1 from Athletic Greens. Mix a single 8-ounce scoop of Athletic Greens to a glass of water each morning and sit back and feel yourself becoming clear, more focused, more able to take on the challenges of the day ahead. Each serving of AG1 contains 75 of the necessary vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, and superfoods that your body needs. And that can all result in improved functions across the board. I'm talking focus, uh, clarity, mood, and memory. The travel packs are great for long car trips or even a paddle down the Gowane. It ensures access to high-quality, environmentally friendly uh, nutritional supplements. Now, right now, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com emerging. And take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. My guest today is no stranger to reading ad copy or podcasting. She's someone who I've known for a long time, but I can honestly say we've never really had a conversation of any depth. Well, that's what the deep night is for, isn't it? <laughs> I'm so glad this worked out. Janet Varney is the host of the long-running JV Club podcast, where her gifts as an interviewer have been on full display for more than 500 episodes. Ah! <laughs> She's one of the co-founders of SF Sketch Fest, the greatest comedy festival in all the land as far as I'm concerned, and they just celebrated their 20th year of bringing terrific comedy to San Francisco with no signs of stopping. Janet's also an actor who has been seen in dozens of television shows like You're the Worst and the recent Stand Against Evil, but even with all of that, she might be best known for her work as a voice actor providing the voice of Korra in the Avatar, The Last Airbender franchise, various animated projects there. I'm so glad that we got the chance to talk, and I'm eager to share this with you. So let's go now to my conversation with the wonderful Janet Varney. Janet Varney, at long last, welcome to the Deep Night. Thank you so much, Dale. It's great to be here. Great to be back. Great to see you. Great to see oh. your turtleneck. Yes, it's a fresh one. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful <laughs> owl pendant. What does the owl mean to you personally, Dale? Well, uh, the amulet is something that's been with me for a little while, and uh, of course, a symbol of great wisdom. Uh, some have said I kind of resemble an owl sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the, the pursuit of knowledge, the curiosity yes. that is imbued there uh, or suggested there is really um, why I keep it as a totem. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, whenever I see owls in my neighborhood, I guess we have the, the horned owl. I guess that's what we have because every single one of them looks like a cat in silhouette. And yeah. I call them sky cats now. I, <laughs> I'm just at the point now where I just refer to them as sky cats because... They look exactly the same and essentially That's... behave exactly the same, except they can fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I don't difference. like I don't like seeing though. Sometimes on the internet, uh, you stumble across things, uh -huh. and there'll be pictures of like the owls with the legs, uh -huh. just the legs, or uh -huh. like a wet one. And I don't know that we were ever intended to see that kind of thing. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. You, you gotta know? stop this. Gotta <laughs> no, stop. I don't care for it. Well, uh, uh, Janet, uh, I mentioned you to my therapist the other day, uh, uh, first time for that. Uh, but uh, it was because I was really looking forward to this conversation. And it struck me that um, perhaps it took so long for this to happen uh, because uh, this is uh, the right moment for us both to be talking and that our worlds are a little bit uh, perhaps more aligned than ever despite having many things in common over the years. Mm -hmm. I think that's entirely possible. Right. What did your therapist think? Uh, uh, agreed and asked me how I felt about that. <laughs> You know the as drill. They do, as they do. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> so, yeah, but the co-pays low. So. <laughs> but um, uh, if we could just let's let's get into it a little bit, because first off, we were going to talk a year or so ago. Yeah. And uh, then you, you kindly wrote back, which is very nice of anybody to ever do especially anybody in Los Angeles, because that's not often <laughs> the case. Leave you hanging, I'm, they I'm will. I'm so ashamed, yeah. <laughs> well, you wrote back, and, and, you, and you let me know that your mother had died, and yes. uh, I remain uh, terrifically uh, sorry uh, for your loss. Um, and then uh, eight months later or so, my father died, and uh, now here we are both dealing with this uh, sort of unfortunate club to be in. That's right. Uh, uh, how are you doing today with it? Uh, I'm doing okay. I I I think last year uh, for Mother's Day, I wasn't thinking about the fact that it would be the sort of first Mother's Day that I wouldn't have my mom. Which, to be clear, I my mom was in Tucson. Um, she wasn't, and and so it wasn't like she wasn't someone that I would see every day, like some people are with their parents. Um, I think that's got to be more even harder because it is such an upset to your day to day. But. Uh, so I think there's a lot of stuff that maybe, and I'd be interested to hear if you had this experience as well, that I hear other that other people experience, and then I'm like, well, I, I'm not going to feel that way. Like, oh, I haven't spent a Mother's Day with my mom and I don't know how long, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to feel the absence the way some people are worried that I'm going to. Yeah. And so I sort of didn't pay attention to when Mother's Day even was, and it happened that I was in Palm Springs to go see their, the sort of outdoor, I forget what it's called, but it's this outdoor, big outdoor art festival kind of thing. Desert X. Yes, Desert X. Yes. Thank you. Of course yeah. you know, Dale. Of course you well, know. You probably have a piece there. You probably have one to three pieces there. <laughs> I've, got, I've got some pieces around. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but I've spent some time out there. Yeah, sure. Joshua So Tree. you know. Yeah. yeah. I've been to the Crystal Cave. You've yeah. been to the Crystal Cave. It, yeah. It, I don't like hot weather. Uh, I'm from Tucson, Arizona. I've had plenty of it in my life, and it's it's not something that I'm that I seek out. Um, and it is the climate in Palm Springs is extraordinarily similar to the climate in Tucson, short of uh, saguaros that aren't there in Palm Springs. There's a lot that's similar, and so I was there, and uh, the minute. It felt like the clock struck midnight and some immediately someone wished me Happy Mother's Day, which is like, you know, I don't I'm not with a child. 
I'm not with an older person who looks like they could be my mother. When did we start wishing just random strangers yeah. Happy Mother's Day and Happy Father's Day the way we do, like, Happy Merry Christmas? Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a really curious development of the last, yeah. I don't know, decade it's, or so. I think it's a really painful. It's probably pretty painful for a lot of people. Like, a lot of people have lost their parents or a lot of people have lost a child. Or, you know, there's just a lot of complicated reasons why parent sure. days maybe aren't the thing that you just throw out to everyone um and i and i totally lost it like i had to go home early i think i saw like two things and then was like i can't do this and i was a wreck and had to come back home so uh this last mother's day which is very recent in the time that we're recording this um a week or two ago uh it it was much more pleasant i was thinking very fondly of my mom um got a little misty but uh the difference between feeling like you can't control your grief and feeling like you can if you choose to is uh is there's a big distance between those things if that makes sense it does it does and uh, you are also as i am an only child is that right yes yes yeah. i am yes so, so yep uh, mm-hmm. and your father no longer around no he is around he is around. Okay. He is around. Oh. Yeah, he's he's around. He's still in Tucson, um, and uh, and he's doing great. Oh, well, that's doing good. Great. Yeah. <laughs> How about your mom? Uh, no, passed uh, when I was uh, quite young, uh, okay. or twenty or so. Got um, it. I so, think I may have known that, but didn't remember. That's all right. Um, but it's uh, tricky when you're, you you think you've sort of come through it all and and talk about oh, I'm fine with Mother's Day, but then something will come up when you realize they're both gone, yeah. and then it starts to eat at you in a slightly different way. Oh, I'm dreading losing my dad for sure. I mean, that's that's a that's definitely a thing that I felt almost immediately after my mom died. It was like yeah. also the panic and anxiety of oh God, I'm gonna have to feel this twice. Like this yeah. is awful. So yeah. and you were so young. I was. <laughs> And That's I thought so I had hard. to work through it all. Yeah. But it turns out life keeps giving you opportunities. It does. <laughs> uh, so, yes, some, some new things have come to light. It's, it's altogether fascinating. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I am in some way relieved to be on the other side of it for exactly what you're talking about, that kind of dread that comes along with worry, and especially during a pandemic, especially as parents get older, uh, it uh, was a was a sort of pulse that was happening. Yeah. And I remember after my mother died, I used to have dreams of her where she would be there and present, but sick, which yeah. was not great, because then <sighs> it meant, oh, I had to go through this again. And I yes. think that was kind of whether her way or just my own way of telling myself you've got to come to some acceptance about this because it's not something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you've got to just have it um, be, you have to face reality. Yeah. Yeah. Move forward. Absolutely. But you mentioned to me that uh, as, as I am as well, it's dealing with the physical stuff from your mother's house. Is mm-hmm. that, is that still ongoing or have you completed that? No. Yeah. It's definitely ongoing. There's definitely a storage unit that I just sort of peck away at in Tucson. Um, yeah. Because it's not, yeah, it's, it's a, it's so exhausting. It's like, uh, not, I mean, there's some physical exhaustion, but it's, it, but it doesn't, even things that I don't think are making me emotional about it. It is remarkable how tired I feel after just like an hour, an hour of going through stuff. I feel like I ran a marathon. So I've just sort of given myself permission. You know, it's in Tucson. It's not a super expensive, you know, thing that I have to incur every month. And 
it feels worth it to not feel pressed to like jam through everything and like make quick decisions about whether to keep something or you know so i've i've just really been taking my time with it and also being able to know like yes a lot of it is going to goodwill a lot of it is going to donations and it feels less like you're just like dumping all your dead parents stuff off if you're like doing a little at a time it feels like somehow feels like more respectful but Again, I'm probably just projecting that and saying that because it makes me feel better about the inordinate amount of time it's taking me to eventually <laughs> go through that stuff. Well, I say whatever it takes in regards to uh, keeping uh, yourself you. uh, preserved and Thank cared you. for. Um, now, was she a collector? Were there a lot of stuff no. going in terms of that you have to then evaluate yeah. the value of? or that kind No, of thing? no, not really. I mean, there's definitely some furniture and stuff. I just have no idea how much. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I, I know that they were important to her and that they she felt that they had some monetary value. But I don't know that she's right about that. And I. <laughs> And I also don't know who would even, I don't even know where, like, I don't know any appraisers. Just going through that process feels like a whole thing. Um, but uh, but she did, I will say that the, like, the way she aged and her prag, her pragmatism, um, you know, she downsized from one place into a smaller place. And then she, we downsized her when she went to live with her sister for a brief time. And then we downsized when she had to leave there to come back to Tucson and then we downsized when she was at the uh, assisted living community into a smaller apartment there. So things have been whittled down naturally, even to that point. Um, and so there was there was a lot of stuff that she herself elected to not have anymore. Um, she made that she she made that a lot easier than I know that it is for folks whose you know parents own their house and they have a whole house full of stuff and a car and loans or you know credit card bills all that kind of stuff was already sort of taken care of and it was still a nightmare of, of legal paperwork so <laughs> I really feel for anyone and I don't know if this is you but I really feel for anyone especially an only child who is like huh <laughs> okay, I I don't even know where do you where do you start where do you even start you know right yeah yes I do I do know you do know you know all too well <laughs> oh my gosh um and it's the only I uh, have never wanted for a sibling yeah. uh, I've enjoyed the privilege of only childness <laughs> a childhood yeah uh, childness yeah yeah <laughs> the, the the whole whole run up until now where it's like wow uh, could use a hand. Here, sorting through yeah. this uh, twenty-five cans of screws. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I do know. Someone's I do lived know. in a house for fifty years. Oh and, God, yeah. Uh, but anyhow, it's uh, and and I become very overwhelmed and consumed with how am I going to deal with this? Um, yeah. There is not an urgency because uh, his wife is still alive and there oh, in the house. Okay. Um, Got it. But, you know, let's say I have three years. Yeah. <laughs> That's not enough Great. time, Janet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I yeah. kind of, I find myself envying hoarders a little bit. I understand there's a lot with mental illness and things that go along with it. But yeah. the ability to just go in with a shovel, I yeah. mean, you have to encounter, I don't know, some bad smells and some cat skeletons. Uh -huh. but, but you're just getting rid of it. You get a dumpster and you're done. But this other thing, yeah. short of opening up an antique store, I don't know. Yeah. What I'm gonna do? <gasps> you should do that. <laughs> you should do that. <laughs> I'm sure I would thrive. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. 
Oh, gosh. Well, perhaps. But <laughs> there's a nice flea market in Joshua Tree. Maybe I'll <laughs> set up camp there out there. There you go. Um, now, and, and am I correct that you grew up sort of adjacent to or in the Mormon church? And uh, with that, was there some kind of, uh, and, and forgive the complete ignorance on this, but is there some kind of Mormon burial uh, uh, ritual that has oh, to be yeah, that's adhered a, to? Oh, yeah, that's a fair question. That's a fair question. Yes, my mom was Mormon. Uh, I think that, yes, Mormons do not believe, for example, in cremation. They do believe that you should be buried. I definitely did not bury my mom. I cremated her because she fully told me she wanted to be cremated. So I'm very I'm very grateful and lucky that, you know, I have a, a one her her side of the family is wonderful. Um, a couple, you know, she has three siblings. Two of them are still practicing Mormons. One of them has been an atheist for as long as I've been alive. I think he's been an atheist since he was in high school. Like he left the church very, very early on. Um, so that's the other thing is like, I sort of thank him in a way for acclimating my grandparents and my aunts and my mom to, to be, to like still loving someone and being the family. My experience with my, my own experience with Mormonism has been very inclusive and has been very much even, you know, friends uh, or friends of my family. It's been much more a religion of like, we'll always love you no matter what. This is hard, but, you know, and you could always change your mind. Um, but it's it's never been one of pushing away. Uh, and I know that that happens. And I know that that happens in Mormon families, too. But um, But, you know, I have positive feelings about the Mormon church uh, as as much as I have negative feelings. But I do right. have a lot of negative feelings. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you didn't suddenly find yourself in a situation, as some people do, where, oh, gosh, now I have to deal with a Fight church. With my, I have yeah, to deal or, with this yeah. sort of elaborate rituals that I have been disconnected from for right. my entire adult life. Yeah. And that can bring up all sorts of, of issues. But you yeah. were, you were no, that's a great that. That's a great question. It's a great question. And and yeah, no, my my um my aunts uh were like, you know, this is do whatever you think feels right for Marsha and what that's my mom and what feels right for you and we ended up doing and also it was covid, so that's already, you know, just a weird no one, you know, I had a lot of knew a lot of people who had family members who died and everyone sort of universally was like, I mean, we didn't know what to do and people dealt with it in such different ways. Some people had you know, video funerals, like Zoom funerals, which seemed like that's the last thing my mom would have wanted. I mean, she's she hated computers. So <laughs> uh, uh, so that would have just like bumped her out to no to no end. She would have hated to go to one. So I can't you can't do something that, you know, your own dead parent would have been like, oh, God, I would never go to that. Right. Um, and so I just we just waited. You know, I had her cremated and then. um uh, we did a, a celebration of life. I did a celebration of life for her at the Desert Museum in Tucson, which is a beautiful, you know, sort of natural uh, habitat zoo, I guess. But it's only for, you know, critters who are comfortably surviving in the Sonoran Desert. Um, yes. And uh, and it's beautiful and there are beautiful gardens. And, um, and so we did, you know, it was very positive. And we did it like six months later. So there was also some distance from when it happened and um and yeah no one you know i think i talked to my one of my aunts and she said you know well as mormons you know we believe that you should do this this and this and but she was quick to follow and not in a passive aggressive way at all was quick to follow with like but honestly like that doesn't matter you know just do do what feels right um so it was it, i really got to 
kind of create something um, to, to pull the family together that, that I was really proud of and that I think she would have completely loved. Well, good uh, for you and uh, great that you did that. And congratulations uh, because Thank it's you. not easy on us. No. <laughs> the, the only children. Did Again. you remind me, did you do, have you done a thing or is that pending or like a, like a, let's all everybody get together thing? You right. did it with your, he, you would have done he, it with it. So my, neither of my parents ever remarried. So I didn't have a step, uh, a step parent to right. work with and, on that. And he uh, died basically the weekend before Thanksgiving and his whole family uh, was going to be, you know, in town. Uh, his brother was going to be in town and his sister. Uh, so uh, it was, I wanted to do the thing where, oh, let's give it some time and let's really think about what this is going to be and I can orchestrate it and, and really think through it. But it was the similar kind of thought. Well, do you know how upset dad would be if his brother had to drive down twice Got it. <laughs> from, yep. from, yep, from yep, far yep. away? Let's Got not it. inconvenience everyone. I've yes. already made it easy by dying the week where they're all Correct. in town. Please schedule this for a Saturday. <laughs> yes, yes. 100% get it. So we did it. But then it's like I'm writing the eulogy and delivering that. I'm uh, writing the obituary. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just things that you – I did all I don't that. know. Yeah. I don't know who I but thought was going to do But I did all that, but I had, I had a little time. Again, yeah, yeah I had – the writing the obituary was all I had to do to a certain degree. I mean, I certainly had to deal with, you know, when they first passed. But um, but but the idea of organizing the whole thing I organized on t like shortly after I lost my mom sounds awful. <laughs> it sounds like, wait, that's the like it's my responsibility. I'm the one who's the, like the most deepest hurt by this and the biggest wreck about this and i'm also the one who has to like take charge of everything that seems wrong but that's how life works yes although it does appeal to the planner in me and uh -huh. the sort of like uh, orderly person that i tend to be uh, and so to know that i had a task yeah. was incredibly helpful yeah and, yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that, that makes it sense also had a completion date <laughs> yes yes <laughs> you know good point okay i have to go through all the photos to make the video memorial okay but yeah. it has to be done and then yeah. once it's done it's done you're not going to keep fussing with it so good for uh, you that was good uh, but it is uh you don't really realize when you're in the church again after being so long that there is a certain uh pull to it a certain spell casting that happens and it's still I don't know if for you, it, it still gets me when you hear the, the hymns or certain music and everything. It's, it, there's a lot of, well, you know, the, we could go on a long time about the, the way church and religion has kind of been co-opted by the malicious or the, the right. vindictive. But, but there's something that is still, even in this day and age, so attractive. Mm -hmm. I told, <laughs> about yeah. that music and and yeah. those words and to hear some of those things familiar again. Yeah, I was really nice. Yeah. What 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 uh, denomination was your just dad? Uh, Presbyterian? Yeah. No. I say that I say yes. Please know that means I don't actually know what differentiates Presbyterian. I realize between many other uh, different parts of Christianity. You and me both. <laughs> 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 I was uh, running out to, uh, because now I have a, a full-time uh, job basically selling stuff on eBay. So I had to run up to the shipping place, and there was a gaggle of young people and saying, oh, it's just the best. It's so fun. You get to dance and do that. And then they all started singing Havana Gila. And uh, okay. 
that's that's lovely. <laughs> Bro- yeah. Presbyterians well, don't yeah, have I, we don't talk I, about yeah. it. There's no dance section. Yeah. You know, yeah. to the, they're like, yes, you get to do that. It was very very nice. So yeah. I, I I don't know exactly the difference, although it seems like it's a little bit uh, more tolerant. Seems like maybe it doesn't have as many of the. Mm-hmm. There's not the smoke. There's not the uh, eating of the crackers and all that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> there's not the smoke. There's not the eating of the crackers. Enough said. Enough yeah. said. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> there was, though, the full, we had to do, We I guess we didn't have to, but we signed up to do the military honors because he was in Vietnam. Another surprising thing. Yeah. Being like, wow, that's incredibly touching that they yeah. do the folding of the flag. Oh, and I think delivering. I would lose it. Yeah, Ooh, I'm sure I would just be bawling. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it got me. Yeah. Oh. Do you? Did you keep the your stepmom has the flag? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Put it up there in one of the frame cases yeah. that they make spe- special. Yeah. <laughs> now he had a very uh, difficult relationship with the military, so I wasn't sure we actually wanted to. Uh huh. Well, to do Vietnam that. is a there's a pretty good chance that it might be complicated. Just <laughs> even when you say that one word, there's that's, a, that's there's right. every possibility that there could be something complicated there. Yes. Yes. He was in the band. In <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. fun, yeah. fun. Why, why did they need a band anyway? Um, well, uh, uh, thank you for sharing all that stuff about about, uh, about the, um, sure. the funeral and the, the memorial. Sure, um, I haven't talked ha- about it that much on my own podcast, so it's nice oh. to talk about. Well, and do you have a practice now that's been helpful to you as you sort of? Uh, I don't know if you set up an altar or anything, or is there something that you? Yeah, do in I mean, I have. Way? Yeah, I I have a I definitely have a little grouping of pictures of her um and like a couple of, you know, she <laughs> she definitely liked little small things, little trinkets. Uh she was a very neat person, so I wouldn't say that there there's she's not a cluttered person at all. Um but she had some little, you know, things and some of them were things I got her and so I have those kind of around the house um and yeah, I have pictures of her kind of right by my desk. Um, but I talk, yeah, I definitely talk to her. You know, I sort of talk to her. We had that beautiful uh, lunar eclipse on Sunday evening. I don't know if you got a chance to catch any of that or if you could see it from where you were, but um, yes. we had a pretty good, good view in LA. And, you know, I sort of, I, when I, I think when I, when I start to feel sad that I don't have her anymore to tell about it or to, um, you know, again, like, it's not like we saw that much of each other. We definitely talked more than we saw each other. She stopped traveling, um, many years ago. So sort of like, if I was going to see her, I was going there. And sometimes even then she was just not into it. But, uh, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so I'll, I'll just sort of, instead of like sitting with that feeling, I'll just sort of like, I'll just say like, you know, isn't that a beautiful moon mom? Like, I don't know, just sort of bring her into to me if that makes sense instead of lamenting that she's not there i sort of go well who's to say she's not so sort of treat it that way right right what about you no i was uh sad that i couldn't you know we would talk maybe every week or every uh, usually it would go a couple two weeks let him build up some stories to tell Uh me so i didn't get the same ones uh, Can't all be smoking crackers. In fact, none of it can be because he didn't believe in smoking crackers. So never mind. <laughs> right, but even that, if that had happened, uh-huh. he would have talked about it. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, we'd usually give it a, a little bit of time. Uh, and so that first week or so, that first time where I said, "Oh, I don't I can't just pick him up, but pick up the phone and, and talk to him." Uh, but then I was like, "Well, now I can talk to him anytime." So yeah, 
Yeah. I guess that's true. For sure. That's all right. It is not quite the same, but, uh, you know, it still is there. And the fact that they're both together is very comforting uh, to me. Um, A sort of restoration of the triumvirate (laughs) of the team that started out. Um, So it's very... uh, Is that that something that you're, if you don't mind my asking, is that something that you're, like... My, for example, my my sweetie's um, his stepmom. He has two stepmoms because the first one died of cancer really young, and um, and his his current stepmom, who I absolutely adore, um, she's very generous with that idea. Like she's very generous with the loss of the woman who died, and like is is very inclusive about that, and and so. I'm just when you say that your parents, you know, the idea of your parents being reunited, like some step parents are like kind of lovely about that. And some step parents, understandably, are like, wouldn't want you to hear you say that. Do you know what I mean? Or wouldn't want you to ever express that. Was that something that you can share with her or that like or is she does she talk about the idea that you lost your mom or is it sort of like that's over there and that's not something that comes up? Uh, uh. I'm sweating, Jen. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't have to answer that. Uh, my pulse has my increased. Um, yeah. uh, I, would, I would say this, that uh, there has never been a sort of hiding around that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been an acknowledgement of it. Um, uh, of course, my experience of the two of them together and their love is its own thing right. and something that I felt independent yeah. and what I carry forward. She had no access to that. Yes. Um, her own love for my father is also intense and I have no access to that really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think we mutually respect each other's uh, passion for yeah. <laughs> that person and I who they great. were in great. life. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So you can wring out that washcloth that you just soaked with perspiration. <laughs> I once did a show where I had to put um, uh, some like cotton or something under your. You could you do a show? You get sweat stains yes. and that kind of thing. Yes. And the customer told us about somebody who put maxi pads under their. Uh- uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> their underarms. And by the end of the night, their arms had increased you know, <laughs> in height. They just kept having their arms further and further pushed out. That's really funny. Because uh, <laughs> my first thought was like, oh, that does sound like it'd be effective. But you're right. It absolutely swells to a certain size if need be. So point taken. Yes, yes. Point so, taken. Yeah. Um, well, uh, all season, and, and I think we've kind of got gotten there naturally uh, through this conversation, but all season I've been asking people if they can identify a change in themselves following a personal or professional loss. Um, and I'm really interested in that be- because of where I am in my own process of who am I now uh, with both parents gone or who am I now with even one parent gone? Has, yeah. Have you felt that change? Are you grappling with that same kind of question? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I have had, uh, (laughs) I think I've had, again, you know, when you're, when I was little as an only child, and I don't know if you experienced this too, but I mean, I certainly had deep and abiding friendships and I was not spoiled as a child at all. Like there was not money for that to happen. Um, And I don't feel like I was spoiled with love, like in a, you know, I I did not become a narcissist, (laughs) you know, it's not like, oh God, in every way I was, I was given everything I wanted. Um, 
but I so but I did feel different and I did feel like um I think a lot of us feel as younger people like it's really important to feel different and to to feel special or to feel like nobody gets me you know nobody gets me except this one singer songwriter or whatever um and and the older I get, the more comfort I take in feeling just like super average. Um, and so I think <laughs> I've had this very super, super average response to my mom dying, which is like immediately all of a sudden I felt like I looked exactly like her, which is not something I felt before she died. <laughs> it happened so quick. Like the day after my mom died, I caught up myself in the mirror and was like, oh, God, like that's disturbing. <laughs> And I think that it was, I, I mean, I love my mom, but I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I look like my parents, but I, I, I suddenly, I always thought I looked more like my dad and I suddenly felt like I looked like my mom. And the way I felt I looked like my mom was in the fact that I looked like I was getting older. So it was, so it all feels like so textbook, like, oh, okay, you know, you're, you recognized your own mortality and not only that, but now you're comparing your mortality to your mom's because she died and so now you have this different, profound understanding of your own impending death. And, uh, and so all of that, again, feels like there's nothing new or interesting about it, but maybe it's comforting for someone to hear that it happened that quickly and that it's like that ubiquitous because, you know, I definitely was like, oh, no, I don't want because the, because then you resist it. Then you're like. Well, I love my mom. I, I, I don't want to be my mom. I don't want to look like my mom. I, I, my mom. My mom died. My mom had dementia. Like, these are all things I'm terrified of. Um, so I think, but, but at the same time, having that, I mean, this is a real, like, cognitive dissonance thing that humans do so well, t is that at the same time, I was, like, wearing all of her jewelry and wearing clothes of hers that, you know, I'd always loved and, like, I was amping that up on an emotional level, but then like on some other cerebral, like physical level of how I felt myself aging, I was to totally denying it. And those things were happening simultaneously. Right. It's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Uh, uh, and, and to, yes, to, to purposely dress exactly like them and wear all of their clothes and then be suddenly shocked to. Yeah. To and that's not even the way I felt I looked like her. You know what I mean? Like yes, me, yes. my hands with her jewelry, I'm happy if my, if my, if that reminds me of my mom, um, <laughs> that I don't see, but like, you know, just like, oh, this, oh, this, the way that my face is drooping is like exactly like, therefore, I guess I'll start to lose my memory soon. Like, you know, that, that sort of yeah. stuff is there. It's weird, it, but you really can, you really can feel all of that at once. And it, fe and it doesn't, it's, it's dissonant, but it's not untenable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, that manifests in behaviors. Uh, and things like, oh, <laughs> here I am doing exactly what he would have done. Sure. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, it's a funny thing. And but yes, there we go. Moving up the ladder. We're next. And yeah. so it's it's ooh, it's a lot to think about. And it's there's a also lot. a sort of freedom with both of them gone. Being like, okay, I guess I get to decide who I'm going to be now. Boy, ain't that the truth? What is that? Ain't oh, that the gosh. truth? <laughs> yeah, I still worry about like my dad being I th I think I mean I think a lot about, you know, like still like not wanting to let my dad down and like being, you know, really like I can't be late. I'm meeting my dad of all people. I'm not going to be late to that. Like there's a there's a stress and a strain and I love him so much, but you know, so there's there's I think there would be sort of this wild open feeling of like what do I fill this thing I don't have to worry about more? What does that get filled with? It's up to me, you know. Right. 
Right. Like, am I going to end up at one of those Margaritaville uh, <laughs> retirement centers you know, in Florida? I what don't I know. Do? Are you? I don't know. I don't know. I could be anybody. <laughs> it's a bold new world out That's there. Right. That's right. Um, by the way, Marsha, one of the all-time great names. It's pretty good. I have tremendous like it, huh? fondness for the name Marsha. Um, well, uh, Janet, uh, it's, uh, we, we go back a little. We do. <laughs> we have we known do. each other God, do a we? long time. Oh, my but Lord, yeah. I, I would say I don't think we've ever really had a substantial conversation in all of those years. <laughs> All of those years. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very appreciative of this uh, conversation today. But one of the things I realized I don't know anything about, what was the idea for young Janet moving to San Francisco? Because everybody uh, moves to California, it seems to me, with some kind of sense of reinvention. Yeah. I'm going to be someone new when I land here. Was yeah. that Was that active for you? What was going on? I don't know if I wanted to be someone new, but I do think I wanted to, um, I, uh, yeah, I don't think of, mm, that's a really good question. I don't think I was thinking of it. This sounds like, like more, um, egoless than I'm sure it was, but I don't think I was thinking of it in terms of who I would be. Um, other than that, I was just so in love with that city that, um, that was the, the decision. And I, I've talked about this a little bit before, but just the idea of like, uh, that you, I, I like you, you know, when you move to a place, you perhaps move for a number, any one of a, of a handful of reasons. It could be that you're moving to be with someone so that someone is the kind of the impetus. It could be that you're moving for a job or because you want to, you, you want the shape of your own life and the way you present yourself to the world to be different um or you can just fall in love with the place and that for me it was really simple i just really wanted to live in san francisco and i didn't really have any sense of what that would look like outside of that i just i was so in love with san francisco like you are in a relationship with someone where you're not thinking anything through that i was just like whatever it's going to be it's going to be great because i'm going to be in san francisco <laughs> doesn't matter like i have complete and total faith that it's going to be great no matter what you know um and the attraction was the clean air the, 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 the i mean cool i breezes. just loved it i just the loved fog. it yeah i mean yeah. I, I guess all of those things yeah i just yeah. loved it i mean I, I i really had the thing again just stupendously average uh went to san francisco for the first time when i was 13 and was like i want to live here this is where i want to live and um and then couldn't go, couldn't afford to go to college, even with scholarships in the Bay Area. Surprise, surprise. Even back then, which is like, I shudder to think now. But, um, uh, and then when I was, so I was at school in Northern Arizona, and uh, I was living with a boy who graduated the winter semester of my junior year. He graduated as a senior. And um, I was like, cool, you want to move to San Francisco? <laughs> Like, you don't have to wait around here for me. I'll go to San Francisco. And he was like, well, I'd love to work in the in showbiz. Um, what about L.A.? And I was like, what about San Francisco? Um, <laughs> they make lots of shows up there, I bet. Uh, and so I, like, fully sure. coaxed him into it. And we moved there. And he was like, yeah, there's no... God bless him. He ended up working on, like, a couple of movies there, which to me feels like... He was so lucky. Like, he's so wonderful and charming. And now he lives down here. But um, Runaway the fact bride. that he was... 
what hmm? was what, Runaway of, Bride that he was shot at, around the. I'll tell uh, you what he worked on. He worked on <laughs> Metro, the Eddie Murphy movie Metro okay. that no one saw, but I'm sure there. I think there was a Runaway Trolley, not a Runaway okay. Bride, okay. but I feel like there's a Runaway right. Streetcar. And he worked on the game, Michael Douglas. Oh yeah, that was a big game. one at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then, and then after I think less than a year, he was like, "What the fuck?" And then he left. Yeah. He went to he LA, did. and I was like, "That was the that was you're right. I'm a total dick, and I was, and it, it was absolutely the right thing for him to do. And I'm sorry that I made him move to San Francisco. But anyway, um, he's but over, I really he's over it. He's yeah, he's definitely his life is a beautiful life with a wonderful, wonderful family. Um, That's good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I was just, I just wanted to be in San Francisco. I, ever since that first time I'd been to it and every time I had gone back, I just was like, I gotta be here. I want to be here. It was just this like howling emptiness in my soul that was like, I just need to be in San Francisco. If I can just get there, everything's gonna be fine. And people joke about that with San Francisco. There's like a sort of joke, like people for a long time, like the hippy dippy version of that is like. We we were all together somewhere before. That's kind of one of the things that people say. Like some people are, and I'm doing no part of me feels this way. So please don't think <laughs> I'm endorsing this. But people are like, you know, we were all residents of Atlantis, and San Francisco is the um, reincarnation of Atlantis. So you came here because you knew you were called to be here, being called home. Um, but so while I don't believe that at all, um, I do. I do still feel that way about San Francisco. I do still feel like uh, it's a person. And that's not how I feel about L.A. And it's not how I feel about any other city I can think of, really. I feel like San Francisco is a person. And so um, for all of its faults, uh, you know, when I go back up there, I'm like, hi, you. Uh, You're still you. I'm still me. So that was the impetus. It was pure. It was purely San Francisco. I, I love that, uh, and I am familiar with that draw and uh, the the way that that uh, eucalyptus smells. In the, I mean, gosh, uh, Chez Panisse. What are you gonna? I mean, how can you resist? <laughs> it's hard to have a bad. I mean, on a on a big picture scale, there is a there are endless opportunities to see small uh, tragedies in San Francisco, city, the city itself. But it's yes. also. There's also not a bad view from San Francisco for any part of San Francisco. Like those, and again, cognitive dissonance. Like both of those things are true about San Francisco at any uh, given time. Absolutely. Um, and, and how quickly did comedy enter into it for you? Uh, in San Francisco, I it was at SF State. I did work for a year to establish residency, and then I started paying for semesters at SF State while I was working. And probably like I guess maybe a year or two into being at SF State, maybe a year, maybe two. Yeah, I don't know. It's somewhere in between one and two years. Uh, my Was it from a theater impulse or was it from uh, yeah, it was pure from, comedy? Yeah, it was from, I was at the theater department um, and I made friends through that, just through classes in, in theater and stuff um, with my future partners at Sketchfest and my future members of Totally False People, Gabe, Diani, and... and uh, and Cole Stratton and David Owen, the latter of whom I produced Sketchfest with. And and one of our friends wanted to start like a comedy sketch slash improvish group. And um, I think there were like seven of us or something when we started, but then the then everybody left and then it was just the four of us. And so we ended up continuing on and doing this this thing and becoming totally false people and performing in San Francisco. And then that led to 
Sketchfest. And, you know, at that at the time that we started doing Sketch, like, really the only game in town was Killing My Lobster. And right. then, you know, the the people that we did Sketchfest with who were a, a, a raggle-taggle series of groups that were disorganized and not a <laughs> tight nonprofit like Killing My Lobster had already firmly established itself as. Yes. You have Casper Hauser and... Uh... Whatever the goat fresh one robots, was. fresh robots, white noise, yes. there and you go. please leave the Bronx. <laughs> yes. Well, um, thank you for the uh, filling in that piece of, of mm -hmm. history for me. Being that, that sorry if that's well uh, treaded. No, 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 <laughs> stuff, not, not, I, no, no, no. Realized I didn't know it. Um, and as far as Sketchfest goes, um, I mean, I have to take this opportunity to tell you just. Nothing has meant more to me professionally um, or even personally than being part of SF Sketchfest. It's mm. really, um, it's, it was a highlight uh, yeah. for me. And to be included in that and, and um, I'm so glad. Uh, was, was phenomenal and really amazing. And uh, really, I had some life-altering experiences with that. That's lovely so to hear. So thank you. That's yeah. really, really lovely to hear. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to put together. So. Um, I really do call up moments like this when I feel like I don't want to do this anymore. This is so hard. Um, I, I, I absolutely lean on things like what you just said to go. It's worth it. It's totally worth it. You know, it makes a difference. It's, it's something that people love and, you know, I love it. And I just, I'm not seeing that right now because I'm in deep. And yeah. so I really appreciate you saying that. It means a lot. Well, 20 years. Gosh. Yeah, we've turned 20 <laughs> like three years in a row now. Thanks, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nice to be eternally That's 20. right. Forever yeah. young. Yeah. Forever young. Yes. Well, it's always uh, so validating, and I've had some great times doing sold-out shows. I've had some times doing not-so-sold-out shows. So say we all, my friends. So my say we all. Uh, scheduling is on me for not knowing that a women's march would be taking place <laughs> on that particular day or that a Sunday before MLK day yeah. is maybe not the right spot. But um, I know better now and I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> and I always see Colin David, but other than one time I think you were getting ice at the hotel, uh -huh. I, I haven't ever seen right. Yeah, But I see I you on stage performing all the time and I'm, I, I'm always so full of pride and excitement to see you up there and and uh, killing every time and uh, oh, just in a lot of those things it's it's about moving the ball along and keeping it going with the improv or the readings and all that and it's uh, i'm always out there in the audience just thinking it's terrific what a great thing uh not only that you've organized it all but uh, but to, to see you up there performing is always great mm, thanks dale well <laughs> Listen, you're you are absolutely an intrinsic part of it. I mean, you're you've done the sh you've done it many times, and uh, you and I met doing uh doing a little little something something in the sketch world in the first place, and yeah. So it's like it's that's you know that really is what got me back into doing any kind of acting at all. So it's it's uh, you know it's I'm very sentimental about it. Me too. <laughs> yeah. You get it. I love meeting people there and talking. And some people I'm more intimidated than others. Emo Phillips, no problem. Lorraine Newman, great. Okay. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins, I've been in the elevator with him at least seven times. I will not say a word. <laughs> we all have our those. You know, we all have those. Yeah. What's uh, the best case sure. of an elevator conversation? What are we going to get eggs? 
Yeah. Are we going to go shopping in Japan? Elevator. I will say. I will go ahead and say elevator conversations are the worst. Like that's the <laughs> hardest. Th- it should because it should be the easiest, and instead it's just like it's so stressful. It's yeah. so stressful. I yeah. mean, I run the festival, and I've been in an elevator. I'm trying to think of who I was in an elevator with. <laughs> Recently, I was in an elevator with someone who I also feel like I worked with at some point in Hollywood. And even still, I was like, am I gonna, it's just the two of us in here. This person does not recognize me. Like, am I going to say something? Like, I really went back and forth. And then I finally said something, and it was, like, so anticlimactic. There was no <laughs> sense of, like, oh, yes, you, you know, you are one of the producers. Like, you are a reason I'm in this elevator. Or, like, yes, I remember we worked together. It was like, it was like oh, yeah. How you doing? And then just like walked off. I could. I would tell you if, uh, who it was if I could remember. <laughs> That's right. I do remember who it was. It was Kevin Nealon. I do remember who it was. Oh. I just remembered. You know, and I yeah. loved Kevin Nealon. When I worked with him, I worked with him and was like, and I love his wife and I know his wife. He wasn't that, he was not that dismissive, but he was like on his way somewhere. He was like on his way to the airport. And yeah. I definitely was like, okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> Great to see you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Give, give her my love. Give Susan my love. Okay. Oh, you're gone. Oh, you've gone. I'm I'm talking to no one. Okay. All right. Good to see you. Thank you. It was awful. <laughs> I did one show with him, and my only sense is that there may not be a lot of room for other people's uh, input. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not, but he was so fun to work with. He was no, so I think he's fun. Terrific. Yeah, he was so fun and fun to work with. I'm not saying anything about the guy. But yeah, I just think yeah. in, he's in a, those kind of moments. And yeah, yeah, for sure. And his brain is just going a mile a minute yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I don't know why this light just went out, but uh, it did in a very dramatic way. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not unplugged, so weird. Sorry, Kevin. The spirit of the alive yeah. Kevin Nealon is visiting us. <laughs> I, I better be careful myself. Uh, <laughs> indeed. Watch out. Of, Watch out. Mercury's in retrograde. That. Watch out. <laughs> well, um, uh, you supported so many great people through that. And, of course, uh, you've been doing so many of the, the with JV Club, the podcast, uh, going yeah. on so many great conversations. Janet, it's terrific. Uh, and you're so good at it. And uh, I, again, just uh, not that I would expect anything else. But, you know, you know somebody a little bit. You see him once. Uh, okay, and, and great, and then you check back in with them, and oh my gosh, look where they are now, and you check back in with them again, and it's just this uh, beautiful thing to behold uh, from, <laughs> from afar, and uh, I don't know what else to say other than congratulations on all this Aww. stuff. Uh, how have you changed by doing that process of the podcast? Um, because it's a lot, I mean, we've been in it a, maybe about the same amount of time, I don't know. Yeah. How many years are you having? Ten years. There? Yeah. Ten years. How about you, 10? This will be like 14. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. I have no, I have no, no, no working knowledge of how time works. That's okay. Um, And I take the summers off. So, you know, probably all balances out. It probably all balances out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it just kind of keeps going along, going along. I, I, when I started doing more podcasts at once, um, I felt the pressure of it in a way that people, I think, thought I did before then that I never really felt. I was always like, oh, I always get someone and it's always fun. And I always love talking to people. And um, but once I once the pandemic hit and all of a sudden I realized like, oh, I feel like I'm I'm because I was doing this avatar. I'm do I do this avatar one. Good God. I do this avatar one. I wonder if I wonder if this is like, it's a, like, a, may, like maybe a... it's broken somehow. 
It feels like maybe no the bulb is loose. Happening. Maybe there's a kind of loose connection yeah. somewhere. What's, for the what, listener, what shouldn't the light work sometimes is, me, flickers yeah. in Janet's space. It shouldn't work that I can just turn it back on. Do you know what I mean? It's not that, yeah. like, it's plugged in because it just goes off like it's gotten the signal that it's time to turn off. Because when yeah. I just hit the power button, it's like, oh, yeah, what, what were we saying? Anyway, you can cut all this out. Um, <laughs> so, but no, it's, but, but it's, you know, it's something that I, I still really enjoy. I really love um, hearing about people's teenage years. I do end up feeling like I know people better than I have any right to after that hour is over. And, uh, and, and, I, and I like that. And I think it really, I think I started doing it not knowing how much I would benefit from the sense of community that it gives me. I feel very spoiled by getting a chance to build those those relationships with people through the podcast, you know? Even yeah. if I never see them again, and then I run into them years later, I still feel like, hey, oh my God, <laughs> right. I know more about you than some of your casual friends that you see all the time. Isn't that weird? Right. We spent an hour together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I feel the same way. And maybe uh, think that I'm better friends with <laughs> Someone well, I'm sure we, that's we true probably, for me as well. It's, I'm sure I, transparently, I, I'm uh, that's probably true. But I do think I've gained an, a deep and a sense of empathy, and yeah. uh, I'm very grateful for that to to have happened. Because talking to people, oh, there's just so many ways of doing it, isn't there? there Life certainly is. <laughs> there certainly is, sir. There it's certainly amazing. is. Well, uh, I have so much more I want to ask you, but I, 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 will, I will maybe bring it home with this question: Is how does it feel? Because you mentioned the the voice of Cora. How does it feel to be a gay icon? Because that character has has meant so much to people, and uh, you're in Times Square with a billboard now with the with the show, and th that must be just uh, first of all unexpected, I imagine, yeah. and, and two a tremendous sense of responsibility. Um, it is it is the biggest gift of my career for sure to have done that show and to be able to still feel like I'm participating in that world in some way and to just so love that universe um you know there i wouldn't like it's not something that i'm clinging to because like i don't have other stuff going on i do have a ton of stuff going on but i just believe so strongly in the shows and so getting a chance to stay connected to it and meet people and hear about their experiences and hear about how you know in what ways either of those series made them braver or made them feel seen um all of that stuff is is the closest i get to feeling like i'm kind of fulfilling my parents roles who are both teachers um you know i really admired the work that they did and i really admired the effect that they had on kids and so for me that's the job that has brought me the closest to feeling like i'm i've made a difference and i'm doing something and um and so, uh, and I'll just never get tired of that. I'll never get tired of that because, you know, for the same reason the podcast is enjoyable. It's like, I think I, I, like you, I have a real curiosity and compassion for people and checking in with that um, just, I think, is, it makes me a better person rather than one that's more like proud of myself or sure of myself. It's much more that it's just like, oh, I'm just one, I'm just, we're just all on this rotating thing together like this is hard and it's good and you know what's gonna happen next nobody knows and 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 i really you know i really am fed off of that in a very unique way yeah and pushing things forward and reflecting back and, and the representation is so key for people uh, it can mean so much especially for young people which uh, i think is maybe the target of that show but uh, of course everybody probably watches it i guess but um 
It's yeah, it's so, one of those. It's it's yeah, it's it's one that that sort of speaks to you. If you're if you're there for it, if you show up for it, you're like, oh, this is not for children, but it right, is for right. children. You know? <laughs> right, right. Well, it's, it's tremendously exciting. Um, and and uh, what what's going on uh, next? Uh, that is a new series or a new chapter of that is unfolding. You're performing all the time. Still, has that picked back up with the restrictions uh, yeah i mean i've been going yeah i've been i started doing comic cons again um and uh you know i it's nothing has been um like a disaster in any way um so <laughs> we're all just doing what we can um and uh and yeah started doing some some performing um and then yeah just lots lots and lots of podcasting uh but yeah that i mean i'm believe i'm going to london i'll be at the london comic-con you know, in like a week and a half, um, which I'm really, really excited about. And then I'll just actually get to be in Europe for the first time in years. Um, and, you know, now Brandon and I, my, my sweetie, we're just trying to figure out like exactly what we have time to do because it is that sort of kid in a candy store moment of like, oh my gosh, we haven't traveled internationally in so long. Like, ha, what do we, how are we going to, how long can we stay? How long can we get away with staying? And how much money can we afford to spend just being somewhere else and, you know, getting all of that experience again? Because it's it's so enriching and it's um, it's such a I mean, it really is a luxury just to be able to to engage with a different culture. And, and you know, I, I love yeah, it. So yeah. no, I'm there's excited. That, there's that personal aspect, too. Plus, you'll be there in the sort of professional capacity of uh, receiving so much from people as they come through. So you have to kind of <laughs> uh, uh, prepare yourself and give yourself time to uh, yeah, receive sure. that and, and to process it and to hold on to it, however that happens. Um, for sure. Uh, the Comic-Cons are quite different when I was going to them at uh, the Philadelphia Ballroom at the Hilton. You they've know. changed a lot. Some <laughs> of them really hold on to those independent uh, uh, vibes, which I respect so much. You know, there's there's there are definitely cons that are like, we're not going to you know, this is not going to turn into like a slick commercial endeavor. This is like for the fans and it's about the yeah. cosplay and all that kind of stuff. And I love those cons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back in those days, comic books were very unpopular. Yes. And uh, so it meant that they had to combine it with the Star Trek convention. Uh -huh. uh, so you had those lovely people there in their Klingon outfits mm -hmm. with a couple of people browsing a Spider-Man thing. <laughs> and then you'd have a very well-established comic book artist yeah. Just drawing Green Arrow for you or whatever yeah. it was. And I I wow. loved it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I really did. Yeah. And it, it's maybe sad in its way, but um, it was uh, intimate. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, listen, some of my favorite people uh, who I admire the most are people who were longtime attendees um, to cons like that, including my friend Scott Atsit. You know, he has like a giant set. I mean, he's books and books and books of of stuff that he's been collecting uh, from going to cons for decades, you know, from different I, comic artists and stuff. Yes, I know, I know. Yeah. And that's part of my uh, problem uh, <laughs> here. Uh-oh, uh, you're the collector in the family. <laughs> well, mm -hmm. sometimes things get passed down. You turn around and realize you're behaving like your parents, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, and uh, I don't know how much Cora merchandise there is out there, but you may be seeding the next generation of people that... <laughs> I think there's every possibility that that's yeah. true for at least some folks. But it's uh, it's just wonderful to talk with you, Janet. Thank you for taking so much time. I know we've we've gone a little bit long, uh, but um, once okay. every twenty years, I feel like. 
I can't wait to see what horror will grip us in 20 years that we'll be able to laugh about together, you and me, Dale. Oh, oh, oh I can be sure of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I look forward to checking in uh, at Indeed. that time and seeing what's going on. We can but, even do it sooner than that if we oh, dare. Oh, well, that would if be terrific. I will put the turtleneck in the dryer and then prepare for that. Um, but Janet, thank you so much. Uh, people can you. listen to Jay. AV Club everywhere, and uh, people can tune into the, the Airbender. Yeah, it's called uh, Braving the Elements. Braving, Braving the, the Elements. Elements is the new series that's available on some kind of streaming platform. No, no, Braving the Elements is the podcast that is about av- the Avatar verse. Okay. So it's like that's just an, yet another podcast uh, that you are in. That you that, that you that, that I doing. host. That you host. That okay. I host. Yeah. Forgive me. Then and there's like the, a bunch, and then there's Times several Square. other podcasts. I'm not going to get into right now. No, that's okay. Podcasts, People can do their own. I mean, get on there. Surfing. Do your do your research if that's you right. want to. That's right. That's right. Janet, continued success with everything. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. Uh, right back at you, sir. Right back okay. at you. Take care. Bye bye. You see, it makes me think. Without podcasts, would we ever talk to one another? <laughs> this show is good for something. I'm so grateful to the universe for making it so that we could encounter Janet at this time, at this particular moment, and talk through some of these things. So many feelings and the dealing with stuff. It's not just emotional labor. It's real labor. It's hard work. And not only should we recognize that as such, we should stop for a bit and let ourselves rest through it. We talk all the time about moving through it, but it's good to stop moving, too, isn't it? Just recharge, restore. Grieving takes it out of you. Well, at least it's endless. Uh, Fringe, thank you for being here. And thank you to those who have been reaching out of late. It's really nice to hear from you. I genuinely meet your messages warmly, and I'm always appreciative of you taking the time. All right, well, I think we did it. I'm going to put my feet up whilst wearing a pair of enormous memory foam slippers and remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is independently produced, written, and performed by James Bewley. Season 14 artwork by M.K. Cummins. Season 14 theme features lyrics and vocals by Kylie Lotz, music by Austin Lotz, and mixing by Zach Robbins. It's never too late to give Dale a positive review while hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts. But you can also tune in to Dale's Frequency on Stitcher, Podchaser, SoundCloud, and Spotify, wherever you are, Dale's right there with you. To get in touch with mindfulness tips, positive reinforcement, or just to say hello, email Dale directly at daleradio at gmail.com. Be sure to follow him on Instagram by looking up at Dale Seaver. From our being to yours, thank you for visiting The Deep Night. <laughs>